morning. How are we doing this morning? Right, good? Okay, alright. Turn to Matthew 5. This is, I'm just a little confession for me this morning. This is the one that I hate the most. So I'm going to teach on one today. And even as I was thinking about it this morning, I was reminded of how I struggle with this one. Okay, so, and this one really, um, I think, um, this is more of a, a guy struggle. Probably the more of a girl struggle. Although I know there's probably some of you that might want to argue with me about that. But um, depending on your personality type, um, this is for the ones who struggle with swag. Okay? So, um, just being real. So if you're a guy that likes to swag, this is going to sting a little bit. Okay? So, um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus, who is, again, the manliest man, who's not a sissy by any means, who is a carpenter, actually the son of a carpenter, who, which means he basically spent his time, uh, you know, like hammering stuff and sawing stuff and just, you know, busting stuff up. I mean, he was a guy that was probably very strong and tan and broad-shouldered, not, you know, some of the pictures depict him as this guy with, like, you know, wore, like, product in his hair and, he wore, you know, wore, like, open-toed shoes and that's not really Jesus that we see in the Bible. He was probably had, you know, splinters in his hands. He was a rough guy. And yet he's going to talk this morning about something I think uh, makes us a little uncomfortable for honest, especially for, for dudes. So Matthew 5, verse 3, here's what Jesus says. We'll start back where we started yesterday because this is a progression. So this is kind of building on what we've talked about this week. He says, Blessed are, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Happy are the meek, and that's the one that stings, for they, are, they shall inherit the earth. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. So this morning I want to talk about meekness, and then I want to briefly talk about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, because we've hit on that a lot this week. So I really want to spend my time in meekness, because I think this is one that's that's misunderstood and misapplied. And so a lot of times we, um, I think guys are not really drawn to the version of Christianity because it's somewhat uh, been feminized and kind of been hijacked by somewhat of a feminist agenda. Um, and, and, and I think large of that's due to the fact that um, men have been leaving the church in large numbers really over the last several decades. Um, I think to now to the point where most churches are filled with about statistically 60% women and 40% men. Some churches it's even higher than that. It's like 80% women and 20% men. Or you have 60% women and you have some really effeminate dudes, okay? And that starts on the platform, you know, with the whole, you know, the guys wearing, you know, uh, makeup and skinny jeans and uh, spanks and things like that. I mean, there's, there's a whole movement going on uh, that's really a weird thing. And we don't have time to get in. That's another message but it's actually called Pastor Fashion. And so there's actually websites now devoted to teaching you as a pastor how to dress, basically, in my opinion, like a woman, okay? And so um, we're going we're gonna to not be that church. You know, I don't, I'm not having any concern about Brian or Derek there or, uh, or Pastor Gibson in that regard for meeting last night. Um, but uh, but uh, that's, it's been a problem. And so I think it's something that's misunderstood. Now let me just give you a little definition of meekness. That, um, this is how the Bible defines meekness. Let me just use some words, and then I want to come back and define these words. Gentleness. Okay? Self-control, restraint, and humility that comes from an awareness of our own spiritual bankruptcy before God and the mourning of our own sinful condition before God. So let's see how this is a progression. So happy are you, blessed are you men who are poor in spirit, who have an understanding that you are not awesome. Okay, and in and of yourself, you may have uh, you know you may have a, a physical uh, capability, you may have some smarts, you may have some intellect, but at the end of the day, you are not awesome. 
compared to God's holiness, compared to God, you are a gnat in all of eternity, right? You are just, you are small. In, in your, your brain, and maybe some of you pride yourself in your intellect, your brain is small compared to God's. Your, your, your physical stature is small compared, I mean, in the, in, in the context of eternity and, and, and comparison to God, we are, we are small. So an awareness of that then leads us, like we said yesterday, to mourn over our sinful condition before God, to be grieved over our sin. And then um, that kind of grounding then allows you to be a person who's, who's meek. Um, a meek person, to me, is a grounded person. And, and then, I don't know if you've ever met somebody like this who's just who's grounded, but it is refreshing to meet a grounded person. Because we live in a world of type A's, right? And, and we're type A personalities, um, upfront, loud, aggressive, um, over the top, and really, I'll just go ahead and say it, insecure persons are rewarded. And so they're the kind of people that make reality shows, right? So that's why we that's why everybody loves Snooky and New Jersey and Jersey Shore. Because she's ridiculous. Okay? And the guys in the show are ridiculous. And so we kind of have this we, we're drawn to that because that has become like the prototypical personality. And so the, the meek person, the humble person, is a person who's weak. The person who's loud, the person who's aggressive, the person who is really at the, at the root of it. Um, every person I've ever met that's like that is insecure on a level that you and I can never understand. Because they're not secure in who they are, and so they must let everybody know about how great they are, right? And so they're, they're the talker, they're the and so man, I, I've met. There's a um, the, the greatest example of this, and and uh, again, I'm not trying to be like a name dropper, but when I was, uh, let's see, this was 2004 or five, I forget what year it was. 2000, I just got married. Um, I went to the Philippines on a, for the second time. So I got, told you guys really about the first time. The second time I went to the Philippines with uh, Bob Tebow and his family. Um, I got to spend three weeks with with Timmy Tebow, and uh, Timmy was was it was really amazing because he was about he was 17 years old. He was uh, homeschooled, and he was heading into his senior year in Florida. They have a rule that if you're homeschooled, um, you can actually play. I think it's the same in Tennessee. You can actually play for school. So he's homeschooled, and he has um, so he's 17. He's going into his senior year. He's about to leave our trip in the Philippines. So he spent three weeks in the Philippines. Um, preaching at schools and doing these things. He was leaving the Philippines trip to go to the Super 11. So, you know, it's like the top 11 quarterbacks in the country. They go and they basically face off and they compete for like so many weeks. What's that? Elite 11, Elite 11 excuse me. Um, Elite 11. Sorry, no offense. We've all never stopped. I'm so, um, he's going to the Elite 11. And they were going to compete. And of course, there were no quarterbacks from Kentucky there, mostly in Florida and Tennessee. Um, but... He was going to compete. So, I mean, this is a guy that, uh, I mean, everybody knows who he is. Um, he's, he's a rock star. He, he travels around the Philippines. I mean, literally, when we go to the schools, kids would throng him. Okay, even the Filipino kids uh, who, who, you know, didn't have access to the Internet knew who Tim Tebow was. I mean, he's just an imposing guy. He's six foot, you know, some of you probably know exactly what it is, six foot three, six foot four. I don't know what he is, six foot two. Um, just built out. I mean, the dude is a machine. I mean, he takes, you know. I mean, it was, it was kind of embarrassing. Like, you know, when I took my shirt off and he took his shirt off, it was just, it was embarrassing, right? And so, like, all the girls are like, oh, my God. You know, they're kind of going nuts the whole week. And there's, there's probably 80 of us on this team. And so about 50% guys, 50% girls. Um, and, and Timmy would get up every morning. He would get up before everybody else. And he would be out on the beach just working out. I mean, he would literally be doing sprints. We, we were staying at this resort on the beach. And when I say resort, I don't mean, like, you know, the resort that you're thinking. This is like Filipino resort. So, I mean, we had like screened in windows, that had holes in them. We had uh, snakes, like, you know, um, 
like anacondas like sneaking into it. I mean, literally somebody found a king cobra in their suitcase. So that it's that kind of resort. So not like resort, but we were on the beach and Tim would get up and he would work out and he would do push-ups and he would do pull-ups and I mean just a just a beast of a guy. And and a guy that had I mean everything in the world to brag about. And uh, so I was kind of for that week, uh, for those three weeks, I was Timmy's like um, kind of sparring dummy. So he would go out and he would he would want to throw up. And so Tim was, I mean, you know, I know it takes a lot of cracks about his arm and everything, but the guys, I mean, he can throw the ball. And so we would be, uh, we'd be out on the beach, and Tim would go, all right, back up, you know, go 20 yards. And he, he'd start warming up, and a warm-up for him hurts, okay? I mean, this is just him, like, loosening up, and it's just, like, on a rope. It's, whoosh, whoosh. I mean, it, and it explodes on your arm. And so I'm trying to catch these. I'm trying to act like it doesn't hurt. Literally, my arms, all up and down, both of my arms are red and purple, where he's just been warming up with me. And so he'd say, all right, back up a little bit, and, you know, back up. And so we get the 40 yards, then 50 yards. And eventually I'd be about 70 yards away. And Tim would just kind of joking around. He'd say, you know, where do you want me to, put, where do you want me to place the ball? And I'd say, well, you know, throw it, hit me in the, in the, in the left knee. And so he'd kind of go back, and he'd whoosh, whoosh, right in the left knee. And put, hit me in the right shoulder, you know, whoosh, whoosh, right shoulder. I mean, the guy was an amazing freak of an athlete. And, uh, and then he could just launch the ball. I mean, 80 yards, no problem. He'd be throwing it. So this guy is an amazing guy. What was most amazing to me about Timmy was not his arm strength or his, his physical strength. It was that Tim, in, in all honesty, for a 17-year-old guy, I've never met a more grounded guy in my life. And, and Tim, again, Tim had this uh, restraint. And I, and I love that word because I think one of the best definitions of meekness is strength on a leash. It's strength with restraint. It's you have the power. And that's that's really how I look at Jesus. He had all the authority in heaven and earth to do anything that he wanted, and yet Jesus was constantly restraining himself, restraining that that strength that he had, and, and, and channeling it towards kingdom purposes. And that was really uh, Timmy was just grounded. And he, he never talked about um, I'm going this or I'm winning this award or I'm going to this camp or I've been recruited by him. If I would ask him, he'd talk about, you know, he was right in the process of being recruited by Alabama and Florida. And so I actually got to go, and I got back to, the, to one of his recruiting meetings. Uh, University of Louisville was recruiting him, which they had no shot. I mean, they didn't even send Tim. They sent his dad. And, uh, I mean, it was like an automatic no, just because it's in Kentucky. You know, I don't want to go there. Um, but, but uh, I mean, he would never talk about that stuff. And, and people would, you know, you got all these guys who were kind of the wannabe athletes, and so they'd be up in Tim's face barking, and, hey, show me what you got. You do that. And they're just kind of going, and they're, they're so insecure around Tim because, he just has this gravitas, this presence about him, this meekness, this restraint. And uh, it was amazing to watch. And over the course of the three weeks, man, he, he just, and he loved on these kids. He preached the gospel. And uh, it, it really, I've never seen a 17-year-old with more restraint than Tim Tebow, with more humility. And so when you see those things about him on the news, when you watch him play, I mean, he really is the real deal. And that was, that was something to, to watch. And uh, he never bragged about himself. He never flexed. He never walked around, you know, doing the chest thing that guys with big packs can do. I mean, he's never that, you know, eliminate guy. I mean, he just, he just restrained. And then he could have just taken, I mean, the guys are up in his face. They're like little chihuahuas just barking on Timmy, you know, just talking trash. And I bet you can't do this and show me this. And I mean, Tim could have just like swatted him and like killed him. I mean, he could have just, you know, I mean, put his, put his, you know, fingers around their neck and just squeezed and they would have died. I mean, they would have burst their, you know, uh, their, their blood vessels or whatever. I mean, he, you know, he could have done that. It just, he just walked around and he was just, and he just had this grounding that was that was amazing to watch. And uh, my uncle uh, played football for the university or for uh, Mississippi State, and uh, big old dude, six five, you know, three hundred pounds, big guy, was a lineman. 
And uh, I remember he used to have this saying when it came to football. It used to aggravate him so much. Um, when they, I don't know if you remember about it, back in the, you guys weren't even born yet, but some of the adults, back in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, there was a guy named uh, Icky Woods. You guys ever heard of Icky Woods? He started something called the Icky Shuffle. You guys, I don't know if you guys remember that. I've seen that on YouTube. And he would dance, and I'm not going to try to do it because, uh, uh, you know, I don't have that kind of rhythm. But he would get into the end zone, he would hold the ball up, and he would start dancing around the end zone. And then there came a, came a guy after him, um, who I know all of you know, because he, he went to Florida State, and he nicknamed himself Primetime. Because I'm primetime Deion Dion, right? So Deion Sanders nicknames himself. That's not a nickname that was given to him. He was really the first guy to begin to market himself. He was the opposite of me. This is a guy that was extremely arrogant, extremely proud, and, and all about making himself a name. And so Dion began the, the, the Dion shuffle. So every time he would intercept a pass and he would run it back into the end zone, he would return a kickoff for a touchdown. He would dance, he would draw attention to himself, right? And he's, look at me, look at me, look at me, because he's so insecure. And if you understand anything about his history, you understand why that is. But uh, my uncle used to get so frustrated when we'd watch football games together. He's like, oh, these young guys, they just want to show off. And he'd say something, and, and it just reminded me of that. He's, he would say, uh, well, uh, when you score a touchdown, um, a good player acts like they've been there before. You guys ever heard your coaches say that? A good player acts like they've been in the end zone. So a guy that is trying to prove himself, who's, who's kind of a wannabe athlete, when he gets into the end zone, he's excited because he's never been there before. And he, and he makes all this, you know, and he kind of kicks up all this dust, and he says a good player, when they get to the end zone, they act like they've been there before. And, and that's, that's really a great definition of meekness. It's a guy who's been there before. It's a guy who's grounded in his relationship with God. It's a guy who's grounded and who's confident, not in himself and his abilities, but in who he is before God. When you have that sense of awareness, then your confidence not in yourself, your confidence, you're not trying to prove anything, then I think you've, you've begun to understand um, what it's like to be meek. And then um, even this week, you know, in camp, it's funny because you can see um, there, there are certain men and there are certain young men and women who um, and you just carry yourself with an air of uh, grounding. And, and so, um, you know, I always look for that guy, not, not the guy who's barking, not the guy who's shouting, not the guy who's getting up in everybody's face and saying, you know, oh, man, you know, I'm so good. I, you know, I'm, I mean, we used, to, we used to say, I'm so good, I make this look easy, you know. And so there's all these guys, it's kind of funny watching you guys play football and basketball or watching the girls. Uh, the girls are actually really competitive, and I haven't seen a whole lot of barking with the girls. But I've seen a lot of barking with the dudes, you know, so they're... The games are intense, and they're they're screaming, and you know, what you got, man? What you got? Come on, let's do. you know, they're they're all up in it, and that is the most insecure guy on the court. And so, ladies, I would even encourage you as you're looking kind of for a guy, and you begin to move into the future and begin to look for the kind of husband you want. Don't look for the barker. Don't look for the guy who's like the chihuahua who's just yapping and yapping and won't shut up. Look for the guy who's who's confidently carrying himself and knows who he is, who has a grounding, and he's the guy that's over there scoring 20 points while the Barker's over there scoring nothing, right? And so, um, so that, you know, just just be aware that there are different kinds of, of guys, but but it's a challenge because we live in a world that, that rewards Type A personalities, and and I know this because um, that was me, and I was the guy that was always yelling, always screaming, always trash talking, always had a new line, always had a new cut down, and you know. And it's, and it's a struggle. So, um, let me show you what meekness is in the Bible. Turn over to James chapter 1. This is a great definition for meekness. There might be a synonym for meekness. James chapter 1. Verse 19. 
James chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, or quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Can we all agree that when we're angry, bad things usually happen? Yeah? Like some of us this week, even though when we're angry, bad things happen. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. We become like uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, we just become, I don't know if you watch those old Goofy commercials. Uh, remember like the Disney Mickey Mouse? They had uh, like the road rage, you know, like when Goofy would just get into this. Un like if you ever go to traffic school, and I've been a lot of times because uh, uh, I'm a sinner. And uh, they, they used to show these cartoons when Goofy would just get enraged and he would turn into this crazy, possessed, like de demonic personality. He'd be screaming and honking. Okay, that, I mean, we do those things. We get angry and bad things happen. He says, anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. But, so, so then look what he says. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with what? Meekness. The implanted word which is able to save your souls. Another, a synonym for meekness might just be teachability. Might just be teachability. Might just be you understanding that you don't know everything. Might just be you understanding that you being angry and you not listening and you kind of going your own way might not be that which is going to bring about the salvation of your soul. It might actually be that very thing that destroys you. It might be that thing that destroys your relationship with God. It might be that thing that destroys your relationship with your parents. It might be that thing that destroys your relationship with your peers and your credibility and can even undermine your credibility. Some of you who are desiring to be leaders in this youth group, who desire to be leaders on your ball teams, to be leaders in your homes, um, it might just be that very thing that undermines your own credibility. Like some of you are throwing away your credibility as a leader over a, over a football game. Some of you are throwing away your credibility as a leader over a game of Ultimate Frisbee. Some of you are throwing, your way, throwing away your credibility as a leader, even this week, over, uh, you know, I mean, just the silliest things. And so, again, I'm not saying that the bag on anybody, I don't really have anybody in particular mind. I'm just saying these things can, can lead to death. And so, teachability, I think, is a great synonym for meekness. Now, let me say to you guys, let me just say a couple of quick things about what meekness does not mean. Because I think we misconstrue this. Meekness does not mean that you're a doormat. Meekness does not mean that you're a doormat. It doesn't mean that you let people walk on you or walk all over you, that you let people abuse you, that you let people take advantage of you. And the classic appeal is always to that verse in Matthew, actually it's going to come right after this, where he says that um, if somebody strikes you on the one cheek, give them your other cheek. And, and we kind of use that to say, well, we shouldn't strike back, we shouldn't fight. We should. It's not actually what that verse even means. Just That's a different sermon. But um, it doesn't mean that you're a doormat. It doesn't mean that you allow people to abuse you or abuse those around you. Being meek and humble is not about, and gentle is not about allowing people to take advantage of you um, in any way. Um, it also doesn't mean that you're passive. Some of you, um, some of this is personality related. So some of you have very low profile personalities. And so um, sometimes as leaders, we're quick to ascribe that, that low key kind of uh, passive personality and say, oh, look at him. He's so meek. He's so gentle. Look how he never talks back at anybody. You know, sometimes that can actually be uh, a facade because you're not, you're not meek, you're just passive. And so sometimes we want to take that personality that's a little bit more under the radar, that's a little bit more shy, that's a little actually a coward, and want to say, well, that's the meek guy. And this guy over here who's strong, who, uh, who kind of speaks out sometimes when things are unjust, that's, that's the guy that's, that's not meek, and this is the guy that's meek. Some of that's just personality. So it doesn't mean that you're passive. 
It doesn't mean that you passively stand by and you watch things happen to people and you just don't do anything about it. That's not what meekness means. Um, and then meekness doesn't mean that you never get angry, that you never fight. Sometimes the most righteous thing you can do is to get angry. Sometimes the most righteous thing you can do is to bust somebody in the mouth. Now, that's not most of the time. And again, our inclination is every time to go, this is righteous anger. You know, you punch him in the face. You know, he, 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 he scored on me. This is righteous anger. It shouldn't be so. You know, and you just bust him in the mouth. You elbow him. And it's not so. But, but sometimes there is a point in time. Where, I mean, did Jesus get angry? Yes, he did. Did Jesus turn the tables over in the money changers? Yes, he did. Did he get a whip and start just busting the cap on people? Yes, he did. He got angry. But he got angry about injustice. He didn't get angry about a basketball game. He didn't get angry um, because his parents were trying to teach him something about wisdom, and he just bowed up and wanted to fight his parents. He didn't get angry because somebody confronted him with his sinfulness, and he had to strike back because we don't like to be teachable. We don't like people to point out our shortcomings. So there is a time to get angry, but it doesn't mean that you never get angry, that you never get um, that you're never a brawler. It just means that you only do it when it's when it's righteous. Okay. So um, let me just give you a couple of marks of meekness, and then we'll close this out. What does it look like to be a person that's meek? <clears throat> to be a meek person means that you don't get defensive when others criticize you. You don't get defensive when others criticize you. I have found in my life, and again, I'm just <clears throat> speaking from my own experience, that when somebody critiques me, when somebody tries to instruct me, when somebody tries to tell me that I'm wrong, when somebody tries to instruct me on my technique in anything, whether that's sports, whether that's uh, penmanship, whether that's uh, parenting, my marriage, like when somebody tries to point out a spiritual blind spot to me, I immediately, there's this inner attorney inside of me that wants to argue. You know that you know the inner attorney that just begins to fight and begins to rationalize and begins to defend? Well, you don't know me. You know, you don't know what it's like to be me. Or you're wrong. I, I'm not like this. I mean, think about how dumb that is. Think about how dumb that is to argue with somebody when they are pointing out something obvious about you. I mean, just can we just acknowledge that we all have blind spots? I mean, if you drive, you know that in your rear view, the reason you need a, a rear view mirror and a, and a side mirror is because you have blind spots and there's people, there are people you can't see. That's, that's why they call it a blind spot. It's something that you can't see. So because our hearts are wicked, because we are sinners, there are blind spots that we have in our lives that we need some. That's why you need to be in church. That's why you need to be in community because people are there to help lovingly point out your blind spots. And so a person who's meek is teachable and they don't, they don't get defensive when people criticize them. They turn coaches, I mean, they turn critics into coaches. Did you know that uh, in my life, something that I've experienced as I've gotten older is that some of the most critical people that are on me that criticize me, if I will not get defensive, but I will understand that there's a nugget of truth in every criticism. Is there not? I mean, even if somebody goes about it the wrong way, even if it's somebody that you hate and you don't want to hear that from, if it's a parent, there is a nugget of truth in every criticism of you. And so what I find, if I will use that as an opportunity to learn and not get defensive, that I can actually take my critics and I can turn them into coaches and I can view them as evidences of God's grace in my life because God wants to restore me back into a right relationship with himself. And so if I will not get defensive, I can actually learn from those people that sometimes annoy me the most. There's a proverb that actually says this in a great way. It says, uh, it says that an enemy multiplies kisses, but the, but the wounds of a friend can be trusted. Another place in Proverbs says that a word fitly spoken is like a kiss on the mouth. 
Now, we were teaching this to my kids the other day, and they thought that was hilarious. They were like a kiss on the mouth, you know, so they start laughing, and, you know, so we had a conversation about who you can kiss on the mouth and who you cannot, and all that kind of stuff. It just went somewhere totally away from the meaning of the verse. Uh, but but it's, it says that an enemy multiplies kisses. Some of you surround yourself with enemies. You surround yourself with yes men, people who only tell you what you want to hear. You know that the Bible says that the people who tell you only what you want to hear are your enemies, not your friends. There is such a thing as an intimate ally, as a person who will wound you for your good. And so when we surround ourselves with people who want to wound us, sometimes those wounds can be the things that bring healing into our lives. And so um, don't get defensive when others criticize you. Um, don't seek revenge when others wrong you. You don't seek revenge when others wrong you. So you're, you're, we talked about this last night. Your first defense when somebody wrongs you is not to bow up and not to seek to get back at them and not to just, you know. I mean, our, our tendency is to always take what they do to us and to double it back to them, right? So if somebody, I mean, my kids do it all the time. If somebody smacks somebody, the other kid's picking up a brick and chucking it in his face. I mean, that's just, that's our response. It's not eye for an eye and two for a tooth. It's like eye for a face, eye for a limb. You know, I mean, we just want to go right back at them and do worse. So when somebody cuts on us, we come back with something just horrifically awful and something mean. And I find that girls, this is one that girls are really bad at. Girls, no. girls can be mean. Now, again, I've, already, I've had some fun with the guys, but girls, can we not be mean? And ours isn't throwing a brick at somebody. It's, it's a verbal assault. You know, it, it's, it's shock and awe with, with our mouth. It's, okay, you're going to say that about me? Okay, I'm going to get on Facebook and I'm going to tell everybody all of your secrets. Or I'm going to make up all these things about you on Twitter. Or I'm going to put all these things, we're going to, we're going to take lipstick and all over your locker, we're going to write mean things about, I mean, girls can be mean. I actually had a girl uh, slap me in the face when I was in sixth grade. She was mean. <laughs> and I don't even think that, I, I just looked at her. And she was like six foot five, she was on the basketball team, I was five foot four in like the ninth or the sixth grade. I was, I know, it was like four foot ten. And she just wailed on me. I mean, girls can be mean. Now, I, I didn't punch her back, but I wanted to, okay? Uh, but, but we don't take revenge. The Bible says a meek person commits their way to the Lord. Psalm 37 is actually going to say that meekness is rolling our cares and our concerns onto God. So not striking back, but rolling those things. First uh, Peter 5 will say, um, cast your cares on God for He cares for you. So we don't have to get back at them. We understand that God is the one who takes revenge, and we don't seek revenge when others wrong us. And then, finally, I'll say this. Um, a meek person is a person who loves knowledge and who loves to learn. It's a teachable person. It's a person who invites wisdom into their life, who understands that I don't know it all, that I have some blind spots, and they invite wisdom and knowledge into their heart. You know the word disciple? Um, I'm sure you know this, but the word disciple means a learner. So to be a follower of Jesus, that word, disciple, it's methetes in the Greek. It actually means one who is a learner, one who is a follower, one who seeks to learn from other people. And so if you are meek, it means that you're teachable. It means that you invite instruction, that you invite wisdom, that you want to learn, that you seek to learn from other people, that everything that happens to you in life is an opportunity for you to learn. And, and then you're taking notes. You're taking notes. You're watching those who are older than you. You're listening to those who are critiquing you. You open yourself up. You invite correction into your life. You, you tell people, hey, hold me accountable for this. And I want to give you permission to speak truth into my life. I, 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 there's a guy uh, who's not even a Christian that I know in Indianapolis who I've been witnessing to. And, um, 
He, uh, he said that every year he gets together with a group of his friends, these guys who've grown up together. Now, he's an athlete. He's about six foot seven. played ball for Hanover. Unbelievable. He's a beast, man. He's just cut. And, all this. <clears throat> and he said a group of his friends get together every year, and they have something they call beatdown day. And it's like an opportunity for you to sit down and, and basically to put your cup on, as, as metaphorically speaking, and just to take shots. And, and basically they invite each other to just criticize and tear down each other in a good kind of way, constructive criticism. So they sit there, and for an hour, it's just a barrage of, you've done this wrong, you've done this wrong, I see some areas here in your life that are wrong. And this is a guy that's not even a Christian. And I think some of us could use some of, the, some of that in our lives. Okay, that's all I'm saying. So meekness is loving and learning. And then the Bible's going to say that um, the meek... If you, if you learn to be meek, if you're humble, if you exercise restraint, if you're not trying to prove yourself, if you don't have to be the alpha dog, and then I'm just, I'm tired of, uh, you know, that, that just gets old. If you can be grounded, and you can not have to be the dog, but you can be the meek guy, the Bible says that one day we will inherit the earth. 1 Corinthians 10, or 1 Corinthians 3 is going to say that all of the earth is yours, that you are Christ, and that all belongs to Christ. And so... Um, everything we have, we, we, everything we, we so desperately seek for and we try to be the alpha dog, the Bible says it's already ours. It's yours in Christ. One day we're going to inherit the earth. So why are, we, why are we trying to grab at these things and strive and try to seize these things by force? You don't have to. You don't have to be the insecure guy. You don't have to be the, the big mouth guy. You don't have to be the one who's out front, the out front guy. Or control. It's yours. It's yours in Christ. And, and I'll just use a simple analogy, and we'll, we'll close it out. Um, a couple months ago, I got to go to New Orleans for the national championship. And so um, Saturday night, the University of Kentucky beats the University of Louisville, which was the best moment of my life. Okay, I mean, just to beat them in the semifinals. I, I was from Louisville, but who's a Kentucky fan, a sworn Kentucky fan. Went to the University of Kentucky, really with all my being, um, despised the University of Louisville. And so to watch that moment, that uh, was an epic day. And so at midnight on Saturday night, we decided to drive. I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, at, a, at, a, uh, at a church, speaking at a church. And we decided to, I decided to fly to Birmingham, and my buddies from Louisville um, came down, and we all drove down to New Orleans. And so we had shrimp po' boys and red beans and rice, and we just enjoyed, I mean, just the sea of blue that kind of invaded New Orleans for those three or four days. Now, some of you I know hate Kentucky with all of your being. That's okay. Um, but, yeah, but we just, uh, yeah, who won that football game this year? No, no, we won that for the last 25. We won for the last 25. Yeah, Tennessee. So, um, so we, we're there, and we're in the seat. Just be me, man. You don't strike back. Uh, we'll talk about taunting later on my part, but for now. Uh, but we were in New Orleans, and, and you know what's just great is that Kentucky just throttled Kansas, and they, and they win the national championship. And so immediately, I, I had just moved to Indiana. And so what do I hear from Indiana fans as soon as I moved to Indiana? Oh, we're going to get them next year. We're going to be ranked number one. We're going to get you guys. You're gonna, you know. And so there's all this trash talk surrounding Indiana and Kentucky. It's a big rivalry. It's bigger than UK, Tennessee for us. Indiana, Kentucky is just this thing. And, and so, um, what, you know what, what gives me comfort and rest um, is that we are national champions. The banner was not sent to uh, was not sent to Bloomington. It was sent to Lexington. And so we just hung our eighth national championship up in the rafters, 2012, 2012 national champions. And you know what that frees me up to do? I don't have to trash talk. Like, so when they get on there and they're fighting and they want to talk about, oh, Kentucky this, you know what I want to do? I just want to go... Banners, you know, banners, and, 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 and it's, it's kind of like that that whole thing when you're in a game and somebody's just throttling somebody and they're still trash talking. You want to go to the scoreboard, you know, and, and that's that's what it means to be me. 
That's what it means to be meek. It's just going, man, it's ours. Like, we own it all. I don't have to trash talk. I don't have to be the alpha dog. I don't have to be insecure. I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to let everybody know how great I am. Because you know what? It's ours. The kingdom of God belongs to us, and it belongs to those who are meek. And that one day we're going to inherit all of these things that we so desperately long to prove to other people that we have. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, I pray that we'd be challenged in our hearts. And I pray especially for us guys who just struggle um, in so many different ways to be meek, to be humble, to exercise restraint, to exercise self-control. God, it is a discipline. It is a spiritual discipline. It is very difficult. God, I pray for them that you would free them up from the need to be insecure and from the need to find their identity and, uh, you know, achievement or uh, their, their physical prowess or, you know, whatever it is that they are striving to find their identity. God, I pray that their identity be firmly rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they are men who are loved by God, who, are, uh, who have been saved and rescued by God, and one day that we will all inherit this earth and all that dwells in it, and we will rule and reign with Christ. And so, God, pray, I pray that you just free us up to live lives that are not about us, but are about using all that you've given us, leveraging all that you've given us to serve others, to not prop ourselves up, but to serve others with those gifts and abilities that you've given us. And I pray that we'll be found to be people who are meek. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.